the occult, the news, and plenty of booze. Welcome to the One Drunk Hole Podcast. Here's your host, Witch Dragon. Hey everyone, this is Witch Dragon for One Drunk Hole Podcast. I hope everyone's doing well, everyone's doing good, and everyone's being blessed. Good afternoon, or good morning, depending when actually anyone's listening to this podcast. Today we are going to do a wine review. And I've actually had this wine before, but I never had it before with you all. And it's Jamal's Dreams. It's a Moscato. It's a white dessert wine. By alcohol, 16% by volume. And I hope everyone likes it. And I'm only having one glass because it's that sweet. But I hope everyone looks for it because from what I remember it tastes pretty good. But we'll see if I'm still right. So... I'm going to taste this for you right now, as Lydia would say, from Lydia's Kitchen or whatever she has on PBS. Shout out to Lydia, not that she knows or gives a fuck who I am, but hey, it's all to the good. Mm. Now, I will say it's very good, but it's very sweet. It's not a guzzling one, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend having more than one or one and a half glasses of it. Although, if you really, really do like a sweet one, and I normally do, but I'm real... How do you say? It depends. Sometimes I like more dry. Sometimes I like more sweet. Today is sweet, but I only need one glass, hunty. So let me tell you. Mm. But it's good. But I'm glad I didn't drink it right away. It does taste better when you when you let it rest for a while. So you know, there's that. If you hear that that sound, I'm opening a glass of seltzer by Bubbly sparkling water. It's a grapefruit flavor. Mostly because I need something to drink that's not sweet. I mean, it tastes sweet, but it doesn't have any sugar in it, so I figure I'm trying to replace soda as much as I can with seltzer. So I still get the carbonation and, and the crisp flavor without extra sugar and calories, even though I'm having a dessert one, but I figure, hey, live a little. Hmm. And besides, we got some reading to do today, hunting. So, this is the winter solstice episode that I've been talking about so much. Now, I wanted to get some of the other things that I had in my mind out the way, which is why I was saving this. Because the winter solstice is not that far away. So, I'm going to read some articles to help articulate a little bit more of what it means. And then we're going to go on a little story time, of course, in between. And how me and my family, or my family and I, is probably a more proper way to say it, celebrate the solstice. Which may, is probably going to be different than how most people celebrate it. Fair enough. But, hey, we all can't be the same. Because if we were, we would be, hope you all, it would all be boring. Whew, I promised myself I wouldn't talk so fast and stutter so damn much. So my apologies to y'all. But sometimes when you get excited, I just can't hide it. I'm not going to sing, although I could, but I won't. Anyway. Sorry, y'all, but I just had to get that down. But basically, before we continue on with this stuff, this wine is very good. It's it's sweet. So, again, I would let it, if you, if you don't need to drink it right, right away, don't. Let it, you know, rest, if you will, and then let it breathe. You know, I do like that. 
I did get that from Nash from watching One Life to Live how many years ago. Of course, he was on Mute Next. Shout out to Forbes. Not that he knows me or gives a fuck, but hey. He's in shows I like, so, hmm. Anyway. Whoever he's married to is one lucky woman. Okay. Anyway, let me stop. But seriously, y'all. I hope everyone's doing good. I was actually... We're just going to have a little small talk for me before I get myself together here. I was actually preparing my notes a little bit because I don't always take notes, as you can all see. But for Emotion 3, I really want to take some notes. I may not follow them, but I want to take some notes so I can really convey how I feel about that. And just get it out. And I am planning the podcast for Witchcraft. And then maybe plan a little series about that. I don't know yet. We're going to figure that out. I mean, I'm still sad relatively, as you all know, about, about that guy. <laughs> of course I am. But I also realize life goes on and, and, well, there's more important things to be upset about. Although that is important, but, you know, I am coming to real. I can't, if someone, if someone really can't see it working for both of us, then you know what? I can't make that person be, be with me, so fuck all that. And I am thankful for nothing else. For the loves of my life. So, it's not all bad as much as I like to make it out to be. And I do realize that it just sucks sometimes. But, you know what? Again, life goes on. So, mm-mm-mm. before we get on to the main event, which we will, I promise, I finally saw Hawkeye. Finally. We caught up all four episodes. I can understand maybe where some people have an issue with the show. I can. I'm not going to say their criticisms are inaccurate. But I liked it, though. Now, maybe because I didn't put too much thought into it. Maybe I had no expectations. I don't know. But I like the show. So I'm going to roll with that. I like the color scheming. I, I, I liked where it went. Now, allegedly, maybe the wife he's married to is Mockingbird. Who knows? If she is, awesome. I don't know much about Mockingbird because of all the comics I've read, I usually just read X-Men. And I've been playing catch-up on and off ever since. But I might have to read some Hawkeye comics for the kids particularly. But other than that, I'd be cool if it is. I might have to catch up on who Mockingbird is. And definitely who Echo is. Because as I found out in the comics, Hawkeye and, Ma and Echo got together at some point in between getting back with Mockingbird, allegedly. If I understand what I saw on YouTube correctly. And since most people know Echo was in, has the Phoenix Force, she has psionic powers now. Or abilities. So that, that's a whole new twist for me. Okay. Because you know I can relate to a telepath. Okay, bitch. I mean, I know that's overblown in the comics, but you know I can. And we're going to talk about that in the future. But okay, anyway. Enough stalling. Enough with the chit chat. Let's get to work. Alright, and as always, I have the links, or I will have the links to the articles. In, in, the, in, the, in the description. So without further ado, oh. Damn it, I knew I forgot one thing, honey. Ready for? Here we go. If you have anything you'd like me to review from wine to CBD products or non-edible products, 
please email me at PSIWORK103, I mean 10101 at yahoo.com. I will have my email address, as always, in the description. And if you're looking for a psychic reading of a, of a few varieties, please email me at the same address. And again, I will have the email address in the description. Okay. Now let's officially get to work. As soon as I drink up here. Give me a second, y'all. Alright. First we're going to read from Botanica.com what the winter solstice, you know, in a non-mystical way is. So let's go. Arctic Circle Parallel or Line of Latitude Around the Earth at approximately 66, oh, I can't, I can't read all that. So I'm gonna let you all read that in your own time. Basically, it's because of the Earth's inclination of about the degrees to the vertical, it marks the southern light limit of the area within which, for one day or more each year, the sun does not set. About June 21st, arrive about December 21st. The length of continuous day or night increases northward from one from one day on the Arctic Circle. To six months at the North Pole, the art the I'm not gonna pronounce this, and and oh Lord, <laughs> A N T A R C T I C circle is a southern counterpart of the Arctic Circle, basically, where on any given day conditions of daylight or darkness are ex are exactly opposite, and it gives a grass down below. All right. Now let's read, you know, why I wanted to read in the first place. I'm so glad I read that to you, but mm, I should have just skipped down a little further. Well, eh. I'll be giving you the link to the article so you can read it for yourself in case I messed up a word. But I only had one struggle word today, y'all, so I think we're doing good. Okay. Winter solstice. Also called... Hibernal solstice. Good lord. That's a new one for me. See, I'm learning every day. The two moments during the year when the path of the sun is in the sky is farthest south in the northern hemisphere, December 21st or 22nd, and farthest north in the southern hemisphere, hemisphere, June 20th or the 21st, basically where the, where the summer solstice comes in. At the winter solstice, the sun travels the shortest path through the sky, and that day therefore has the least daylight in the longest night. When the winter solstice happens in the northern hemisphere, the North Pole is tilted about 23.4 Fahrenheit or degrees through 23.27, well, whatever, you get the idea. Basically, I'm talking math, and we know I don't do math well, so moving on. Away from the sun because of the sun's rays are shifted southward from the equator by the same amount. The vertical noon oh rays are directly overhead at the Tropic of Capricorn. Six months later, the South Pole is inclined about um, the degrees, 23.4, away from the sun. On this day of the winter solstice in the Southern Hemisphere, the sun's vertical overhead rays progress to the north, norther, northernmost position. The Tropical of Cancer, the Tropic of Cancer, and 
through 27. Alright. Then it gives a graph there. Okay. According to the astronomical definition of the season, the winter solstice also marks the beginning of the seasonal winter, which lasts until the vernal equinox, aka the spring equinox, March 20th or 21st in the northern hemisphere, or September 22nd or 23rd in the southern hemisphere. After the solstice, the days get longer, and the days have thus been celebrated in many cultures as time of rebirth. And of course it goes down here, and... Well, anyway, it just goes on and on. And I'll let all of you read that on your off time. We're going to go into some goddesses, or gods of the winter in a little bit. So we're going to go to a Patheos article. And that's how Poseidon saved Christmas, as the headline says. Ooh, I need a drink for that. Hold on. I need a drink for that one, y'all. Mm. Okay. Let's begin. Harmonize. As I was lazily scrolling through my Facebook feed the other day, looking for stuff to get worked up about. <laughs> I love this already. When a post from, from an Italian witchcraft page jumped up at me. And I'll read the headline. This is the eve of the feast of St. Nicholas, patron of the city of Bari. B-A-R-I. St. Nicholas had hereditary ties to the priesthood of Zeus, a.k.a. Jupiter, to some people. Although, between me and you, I think they're slightly different gods, but they all assimilate each other after a while, so... Anyway, allegedly. But in Bar, may mark mass variation of the god Poseidon, Neptune. And I was like, wait, what? What? Pagan gods masquerading as Christian saints is my jam. How did I know, know about this? So, I started poking around on ye old trusty internet and read a few articles, and wow, I'll be damned, St. Nicholas isn't Poseidon. Oh, that's true, that's interesting. Wouldn't make sense. Anyway, I don't know why I was so surprised, considering the high percentage of Olympians who made the jump to St. Variation. Hermes, as we know, reinvented himself as St. God damn it. A struggle word. Expedite. E-X-P-E-D-I-T-E. Athena stuck around at St. Barbara. Interesting. Patron of military engineers and Dionysus. Adopted the guise of St. Dennis. Anyway. E.D. No, I am not making this up. Apparently the person not making it up, apparently. Patron saints against hangovers who was usually depicted holding his own severed head, which vines growing out of his neck. I think that's some bullshit right there. Alright. So yeah, totes Catholic. Now I'll explain a few things. Allegedly. Saint Nicholas has a number of patronages, including children, archers, thieves, prisoners, the wrongly accused, newlyweds, prostitutes. Okay. Uh, pawn shops and barrel makers. Fascinating. I'm all for it. But most notably, he's the patron saint of ships and sailors. Well, hello! And, and he offers protect, protection against gales and thunderstorms. Saint... God damn it, these damn struggle words. And Emidius E-M-Y-D-I 
U.S. is officially the patron saint of earthquakes. But since Poseidon is the earth shaker, Saint Nicholas will save you from them on a request. Although Nicholas was a bishop of Myra, his relics were forcibly re relocated to the Italian city of Bari in the 11th century. From there, his variations spread throughout Europe and gained wide popularity in the North, in the North Netherlands. There we go. Where over time, the Greek Saint Nicholas linguistically, or ling oh god damn it, another struggle word, y'all. <laughs> L-I-N-G-U-I-S-T-I-C-A-L-L-Y evolved into Santa Claus, which is where we get the name Santa Claus. Whew. At a sidebar, the three gold balls used in interchangeably to symbolize St. Nicholas generally, or generosity, or whatever, were inspired by the Dutch as oranges. And since oranges were imported from Spain, or Spain, it was believed that Santa Claus lived there in the off season. Wouldn't make sense. When you were a kid, did you have an elderly relative who always put an orange in the toe of your Christmas stocking? If so, that is where that comes from. Now, my parents were old as fuck back in the day, so no one did none of that shit. But apparently some people do, so shout out to them. Auntie what? I don't know if the Dutch came up with the various legends around him, or if they originated with Greek Christians. But, one way or another, myths about Poseidon definitely got transferred over to St. Nicholas. In fact, a passage from the Odyssey in which the... God damn it. Theresis. I'm spelled for y'all. T-I... R-E-S-I-A-S -S, tells Odysseus to walk inland with an with an R A O R A R O A R until he finds people who don't know what it what it is, straight up lifted and resigned to Saint Nicholas. Additionally, at least on one site where Poseidon was historically worshipped is now home to a church dedicated to Saint Nicholas. Oh, and his bones produce water. Well, that would be some shocking if it didn't then. Anyway, which is probably just the result of condens condensation. There we go. In a poorly saturated crypt. But still strikes me as a, as a sea god tie-in. I would agree. Plagiarism and leaky... No, not plagiarism. I'll spell that for y'all. P-L-A-G-I-A... R-I-S-M and leaky remains aside. I'm excited to know that Poseidon found his way to stay in the public in the public imagination well into the common era. If only because I read a lot of books on Grecian art at an impressionable age and out of all the gods it was images of Poseidon that always kind of did it for me. I mean I'm not saying Poseidon made me gay but he definitely cemented my lifelong appreciation of bearded outdoorsy dudes with wide-swept hair, and arc and anchor tattoos. I mean, I guess. In retrospect, it makes sense that young gay me would connect with Poseidon, especially considering his son is the, is the god of gay love. And even if the relationship between Poseidon and St. Nicholas isn't 
that well known. It might also make sense that Poseidon's pansexuality trickled down into his contemporary incarnation, which could explain a lot of gay men today, at least in the leather community, are overly invested in Santa Claus masculinity. And also, while everyone lost their shit over the thought of gender-neutral Santa. In case you missed it, back in 2018, an online graphic design firm survived four, surveyed 400 people in the U.S. and U.K. about how to rebrand Santa's image, and they included a question of whether Santa should be male, female, or gender-neutral. The design firm then selected a portion, portion of the survey responses and had 4,000 more people vote on them. Over the 4,000, 72% voted for Santa to be male, 17 voted for Santa to be female, and 11 voted for Santa to be gender neutral. The thing was a PR stunt, and the, and the me methodology used in the survey was criminally subjective, but, the, but that didn't stop the firm from releasing their findings, which resulted in a hailstorm Oh, Lord, I'm just going to spell it for y'all. F-R-E-N-Z-I-E-D headlined about the dangers of PC culture and a gaggle of angry conservative pungents, pungents clutching their man pearls. A number of my gay male acquaintances freaked out as well and started frantically sharing links, adding hand-wringing captions like, When will the social justice warriors stop? And is nothing sacred? I guess not. I feel like <laughs> in response to their privileged history histrionics, I broke out some shoppies and trolled them all through the universal language of fine art. Which the graphic is here you can see for yourself when I will post the link. As you can imagine, I lost this cultural so I lost a couple of social media friends when I posted that doodle. And I was hundred percent okay with that. I don't tolerate transphobia. In any form, and since Poseidon has a non-binary partner, I doubt he does either. Nor do I think Saint Nicholas, as a patron of the marginalized, would appreciate his modern personalist being you personage. There we go, being used in a way that promotes prejudice toward any minority group. Although I really do wish that I'd been more aware of the parallels between Poseidon and Saint Nicholas back then. Because whenever anyone complained about gender-neutral Santa, I could have been like, "Well, of course Santa's not. Of course Santa's not gender-neutral. You're thinking of Nairites, the god of trans of transmasculine gay men, sea snails. He's Santa's roommate." And then I probably would have been unfriended a few more times. But in the spirit of giving and giving back, I'd have totally been okay with that too. And of course, we go down here. Alright, that and the and the article is by Thumper. Thumper Mo Marjorie Splitfoot Forge is a Gardnerian high priest and initiate of the Manian Brotherhood Lord. Well he he's he's done a lot of shit basically. And I'm gonna let y'all read that. And that's the first article. Alrighty then. Whew. That was a whole lot, y'all. Let me tell you. It really was. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. 
You ready for the next one? Okay. Santa Lucia. The, unit, the survivor of a Nordic sun goddess. Let's see how long this is. Okay, it's not that long. Alright. December 13th is the feast of Santa Lucia. That I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right, but I'm going to spell it for you anyway, just in case I am pronouncing it wrong. S-A-N-K-T-A-L-U-C-I-A. -A the patron saint of Sweden. Until the Pope Gregory 5th, 10th, I don't know, Roman neutral something, made the Gregorian calendar official in A.D. 1582, the winter solstice fell on December 13th, Lucius' feast day, or a.k.a. Lucy, was actually an Italian. She is celebrated in certain parts of Italy, but she is most associated with the Nordic countries. Gets pictures of some baked goods. There you go. Now, you may be wondering what it, what what in the name of Thor is an Italian saint doing as a patron saint of Sweden? I'll be honest, I'm wondering that too, y'all. I'll go. I'll get to that. But first, let me tell you the story of Saint Lucia or Lucia, as we know it today. Saint Lucia was born in Sicily in the third century A.D. to a Christian family. During this time, the Romans were still What's this word? Mm, hold on. Persecuting Christians as troublemakers and cannibals. That's just weird. But okay. When Lucius or Lucia's father died, she vowed to remain unmarried and to serve God. However, she had already been betrothed to a non-Christian. Lucia refused the marriage and proceeded to give her dowry to Christians who were in hiding. Legend says she brought food down into the catacombs where Christians were hiding led only by candles which she led which she had placed in a crown around her head in response her would-be suitor reported her to the authorities and had her tied and convicted as a Christian the judge decided to have her sold into slavery as punishment when the grounds came to take her away when the guards came to take her away they were unable to move her. They decided to kill her on the spot. So, they poured oil on her and tried to light her on fire. That sucks. But she would not burn. They finally decided to stab her with a sword, which seemed to have done the trick. This all supposedly happened on December 13, AD 304. She was made a saint because of her faithful faithfulness to God and a seeming miracle that saved her from being sold into slavery and from the fire use a sword always use a sword. I'll give you that one. No one knows for sure who brought the story of Lucia to Sweden, but once it was there, it took off. One story about the origin of Lucia in Sweden dates back to the Middle Ages. The story provides province of Varmland was having a terrible famine and that people were starving on the longest night of the year, which happened to be December 13th. A light suddenly appeared on Lake Varmland. It came from a large white boat at the helm with a beautiful woman in a white gown wearing a crown of lights. The ship was filled with food and once it was unloaded, it disappeared. St. Lucia had come to rescue Varmland. 
In the modern tradition, the eldest daughter wakes up early in, in the wee hours of the morning and makes taffy or coffee and saffron rolls or or loosen kettle. She then does a white she then dons a white robe with a red sash, puts a crown of candles in her hair and wakes up the family with fresh coffee and rolls, all the while singing, Miracles are known to happen on this day and it's not uncommon for animals to talk. Lucia's association with light and the sultan is what most scholars believe made her such a hit in Scandinavia. In the deep winter, northern countries may only see hours of sunlight during the day. The winter solstice would have been a time of celebration, as it would have marked the halfway point of winter and signaled the, the return of the, of the lighter days. In, 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 in an air, an air gray, I'll spell it because I'm pronouncing that word incorrectly. A-G-R-A-R-I-A-N society, the importance of this can't possibly be overstressed. In pre-Christian Scandinavia, the sun was re represented as a solar goddess, Sol or Suna, is the sister of the moon and drives the chariot of the sun across the sky every day. Pulled by Alsvin, Alsvin, very fast, and Arbach, for early rising. The chariot is pursued by the wolf, Skrull, who sometimes comes so close that he is able to take a bite out the sun, a bit of this out the sun, or by out the sun, causing an eclipse. Suna would have been hugely important during this time of year, and Yule celebration most surely would have honored her. It is generally accepted that the feast day of St. Lucia or St. Lucia and the winter solstice are closely related. It is not too much further off a stretch to see correlation between Lucia and Suna, as this is a common theme amongst Catholic saints. As a modern pagan with strong Swedish backgrounds, I have fully accepted the connection between Lucia and Suna. This is one of my favorite holidays as a child and one that my family always placed a big emphasis on. It was no surprise to me years later when a pagan I found out the connection between St. Lucia and the pagan tradition, it fills my heart with joy to think about the fact that my family is still carrying on this tradition and that my siblings and I will pass in, passing it on to the next. It would, if you would like to honor Lucia Osuna this December 13th, ha, here are some ways to do it. Make Lucia buns, serve them to friends and family, or, e or even bring them to work. Sing this very version of the traditional Lucia, or Lucia, rehetnized, re meditate on the importance of light in the sun, take this time to focus on staying positive even during dark times. And who is this article by? Let me see, because I really did not see who was by directly. I think it's, oh yeah, it's by Julia Penelope. Alright. And we're going to take a minute break from reading. We're going to the Norse deities next. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And then we're going to do a little quick story time. 
But I hope everyone's enjoying this Winter Solstice podcast. And hopefully gives you some ideas on how to celebrate it. Or at least just enjoy something and learn something new. Alright. I'm trying not to have too many struggle words, but you know me, I'll at least spell it for you if I can't say it. Alright. And this is the Nurse Scaldi. A Scaldi. Skull, I was going to pronounce it Scaldi, but I'll spell it for you. S-K-A-D-I. Alright. Alright, not too long. Just long enough. Alright, good. Ready for it? Here we go, y'all. Skalde is the Norse giant goddess of winter, hunting and skiing. Known as the Snowshoe Goddess, she rules over mountains, wilderness, winter, revenge, knowledge, damage, justice, and independence. My kind of goddess. Okay, my kind of giantess. And I mean it. Passionate in her pursuits, especially in the pursuit of justice, Skalde is determined to live how she wants and not by told by the gods of Asgard. Again, my type of giantess. Period. Skaldi lives in the highest part of the mountain where the snow never melts in her father's grand hall. I'm going to spell this because I'm not going to try to attempt to pronounce it. T-H-R-Y-M-H-E-I-M Odin once described her home as the ancient courts and described her as the shining bride of the gods. Skalde, a giant, is the enemy of the gods of Asgard. Being a giant, she is associated with darkness, cold, and death, just like winter. However, Skalde is seen to be more benevolent than the rest of her giant kin. Okay. Family. However, Skalde becomes welcomed by the gods of Asgard when she marries one of them, her father, the giant. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name. T H I A Z I. Kidnapped the giant. I don't. I D U N. The beautiful goddess of youth, and therefore the gods of apple, the gods of apples of immortality. Odin killed him for doing so and rescued Odin. However, Skalde was fierce and determined. To avenge the death of her father, she took her weapons and stormed the citadel of Osgod, claiming either revenge or compensation. Well, damn bitches like that. All right. I really like the way she thinks, y'all. She gave them the choice of a harmful or benign consequence. The gods, scared of the fierceness or viciousness of Skaldang, decided they'd rather give her gold. Sounds about right to me. Scully didn't want gold, since she was already rich from her father and grandfather's pillaging. Well, no one's perfect. Odin then offered her a husband from among the Asgardian gods. Okay. Giving her the status of goddess. She agreed. I respect that. But Odin said she could only look at the god's show shoes to choose her husband. That Odin, shame, shame, shame. Scully agreed, hoping that she'd pick her husband Baldog, whom she had a crush on. But she chose ugly Nardod, and Jod, and Jod, and Jod, the god of the sea. 
I mean, girl, at least he's the guy to see. Anyway, because he had the best shoes. I'm a shoe. I'm a shoe person myself, but anyway. But then again, he had good shoes, so he wasn't that ugly, right? Anyway, I said it. Next case, as Kaya would say, not that Kaya knows me or gives a fuck, but anyway, shout out to Kaya. And who? No job. And Scala Day's marriage didn't last long. It never does. Sometimes. Only half a month. Damn! That's like almost like my first marriage. Mm-hmm. We might talk about that one day. Niger couldn't stand the cold and isolated mountains, and Scalded couldn't stand the brightness and noise of the, of the coastline. Yeah, that kind of the points. So they got a divorce. There are different myths as which whom Scalded ended up afterwards. Some say she got together with U-L-L-R, the god of winter and archery, which wouldn't make more sense, if you ask me. But some say she married Odin and gave birth to many sons with him. I guess that would make sense, too. Anyway, symbols. Her bows, skis, and snowshoes are most mentioned attributes, as she is very skilled at using them all to hunt and engage in battle. I mean... She lives in the mountains, so I guess that would make sense, right? And who? Powers and and duties. Skalde is the goddess of uh, is the North goddess of winter. She is a prefer. She is a prefer. If I can pronounce that word one more time, boy, girl, person, whatever. She is a personification. Personification. There we go. Of strength. Courage, endurance, but is also known for her revenge as well. Well, girl, I'm with y'all on that. Okay. Sometimes you need a little revenge in your life. I get it. We might have to talk one day. Shout out to Scalding. Not that she knows me or gives a fuck, but, you know, I'll maybe I get Odin to give me and her to get together and have a little kiki or something. Girl, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, I need a drink to that girl, boy, person, non binary, androgynous, cupcake, whatever. Mmm. And when I say that, I say it with love. I really do, y'all. I'm not making fun of nobody. Trust me, if I want to make fun of somebody, I fucking do it, okay? Mm. Anyway. Anyway. Facts about Scalde. Scalde is pronounced Scaddy. Scaddy! There we go, Scaddy! Scaddy! Like daddy, but. No, anyway, let me not go there. <sighs> she had to tear Marie when she's singing that song, No Daddy. I hope she's doing alright, that poor thing. Not that she knows me or gives a fuck about me, I'm just saying. She had to tear Marie. Anyway, her name means harm or shadow. Well, I mean, hey, we all can't be sugar is sweet here. Shadi's name is also related to Scandinavia, which is said to be Shadi's Isle. Well, I guess it would be, right? One of Saturn's moons, Shati, is named after Shadi. Or Shati. Well, I guess that, that would make sense, right, y'all? Anywho, one of the reasons she is the, called the snowshoe goddess is because she was forced to choose a husband from the a husband from the gods by only looking at their shoes. See, I guess. 
So I can't really blame her for that entirely. But I guess. Goes to show you can't judge how someone is by their shoes, no matter how pretty they are. But shout out to she well made shoes everywhere. Anyway. Alright, anyway. Moving on. Shaggy may not even have even had snowshoes. Some believe that the translation for snowshoes is actually supposed to be skis. I mean, either way, it makes sense. Indirectly or directly, y'all. So, I guess. Mm -mm. I need a drink after that. Anyway, moving the hell on. After a feast, Loki started talking to Hamdal, H-E-I-M-D-A-L-L, and Shaddy, Shaddy, or Shade interrupted telling Loki he was too well lighthearted and wouldn't be having fun much longer because he would be bombed to a sharp rock, bound to a sharp rock with the ice cold entrails of a dead son. I mean, that's just, that's just mean spirited, y'all. That's just mean spirited. Why you gotta be cold like that? I guess. I guess. Heaven. Alright, let me not judge. I ain't much better. Loki claimed that he got Shadi into his bed, which he, she denies. Whether you're gods, whether you're human, in between, shifter, vampire, pudding cake, some men be lying on their dicks. Sadna told the men who are talking when they want something from me, like money or something. Fuck y'all twice. And I mean that. Period. Anyway. Loki was known to say the same about numerous goddesses. You know what? Mm-mm-mm. I guess. Next. When Loki was captured and bound, Shaddy placed above his face a venomous snake that dripped venom onto him, causing him so much pain that it Earthquakes result resulted. Earthquakes results. That it earthquakes result. Whatever. So much pain that it earthquakes result. Whatever. You get the idea. Well, I would too. Fuck all that. How you gonna lie about someone play hating, saying they slept when they didn't? Get the fuck out of here. Now we got now we got one more thing to read about Fall Hall. Let me make sure how long it is, because I do want to get a little bit of story time, which more than won't be that long. Okay, this is actually relatively short. So, I'm going to try and hopefully not have too many struggle words, but I'm not going to lie. I might have a struggle word, so I'm just going to warn you now. I'm just going to pronounce it or spell it. Okay. But I think at this point you're used to it, so let's go. I just want to say thank you all for the support of the podcast. It means the world to me, and I mean that with love. Okay. Here we go, y'all. Here we go. Frau Hall. The goddess, the Germanic winter goddess. Now let me see, uh, before we go on, I forgot to read who this was by, I'm sorry. Um, okay, okay. okay, I don't know who this is directly by, but the goddessandgoddesses.com, you'll see the article. Okay, let me see if this is by anyone directly. Otherwise, this is hagstonejournal.com. Okay, I don't really see who this is by directly. But, Anyway, 
You'll see the article. So, let's continue. Frau Hall, or Holda, H-O-L-D-A, Holda, not Holda, Holda. I'm sorry, I'm being dramatic right now. Anyway, please forgive me, Frau Hall, not that you know me or give a fuck, but I'm just saying, thank you. I do have some dramatic in my family, maybe that counts, but maybe you don't, probably don't. But you get the idea. Okay. Is a dramatic goddess of agriculture and women's crafts, and is celebrated with a midwinter festival. She lives at the bottom of a well. I hope that's my choice. Anyway, who am I to judge? And first taught women the craft of spinning flax. How, how, or how da, is associated with witchcraft? Well, shout out to her. You go, girl or goddess. I don't know if I really should call her a girl, but you get the idea. And leads an army of witches riding distaffs. Okay. I'm all for it, girlfriend. According to German folklore, men and women would leave their bodies at night and follow Frau Hall and a host of witches and female spirits. Oh. You go, girl. I'm all for female empowerment. Sisters doing it for themselves, it seems. Frau Hall also leads an army of women armed with sickles. That is so amazing and so scary at the same time. I might need her one day. Shout out to Frau Hall. Let's see if we can work out something out, girl. Mm. Anyway. In the Alpine region, or Alpine region. See, that wasn't a struggle word for me. Frau Hall leads the Wild Hunt, a supernatural horde that flies through the night on horseback. The Wild Hunt can, can pertain doom. No shit. I feel like saying, but let me not be a bitch. Causing the death of those who witness it. Or abducting them and carrying them into the supernatural realm. I mean, I guess you do what you gotta do. Anyway. Jacob Grimm writes about Frau Hall or Holda in his Teutonic mythology. Hold Hall riding to ride with Hall is equivalent to a witch's ride. I guess it would be. Into the same fur furious host. Furious, yeah, furious host. Oh, yeah, it sounds about right. Okay. According to a widespread popular belief, where adopted the souls of infants during dying unbaptized. Oh, God damn, that's just weird. But okay, who am I to judge? Not having been Christianized, Christian or christened, they remained heathen and fell into heathen to heathen gods to Woden or Holda, 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 whatever, Holda. Hold up. A oh, goddamn. Bitches. Not everyone gotta be Christian. Anyway, I digress. According to folklore, Frau Hall may look either look either like an old witch with long teeth or a kindly looking woman. In either form, she flies to the countryside around Christian Christmas and enters homes, checking to see all the Spinning is done and put away. Well, I mean, I guess you got to supervise this bitches, girl. I'm with you. If not, she will meet. Meet? Yeah, M-E-T-E. -E, out punishment. Like, put the smackdown on you. Smackdown, bitches. Okay, she didn't do all that, but she probably did. I don't know. No disrespect for your girlfriend. Anyway. But if it is done, she will gift young women in the household with spindles. 
This is possibly to make sure women are not working, as spinning was one of the main jobs of women in Germany, and are kept and are keeping Frau Hall's holiday sacred. You damn skippy. Gotta keep a day sacred, y'all. Anyway. Moving on. Hauda is known in Scandinavia too. Where she cares of unbaptized infants and is the queen of the Hulda, oh, hold on. H-U-L-D-R-E folk of or forest spirits. I mean, hey, you gotta be a queen of somebody, right? Mm-mm. Anyway. The Brothers Grimm have a tale about Frau Hall. The story falls an industrious girl who fell in a well attempting to catch a spindle she dropped. Well, at least she tried. The well is, is a portal to a magical land where bread and... Where bread? Yeah, bread! Asked to be taken out of the oven and the apples on trees are asked to be harvested. I mean, hey! You do what you gotta do. Sometimes you gotta ask someone to take it out for you. Legend. The girl meets an old woman, Frau Hall, who asks the girl to keep her with her house, keep to help her with her housework. One of the girl's jobs is to shake the feather, feather bed until feathers fly out. Man, I guess, which would make it snow back in the girl's world. I mean, as above, so below, right? Mm. Anyway, the girl is very helpful to Frau Hall. When the girl expressed to Frau Hall that she was homesick, she was allowed to return home. Frau Hall gifted her with gold and, and the spindle she had lost. Oh, that was nice. And she made up with gold, y'all. I love it. Frau Hall associated with the realms of agriculture, flax, spinning, women's work, children, winter snow, and magic indicate she is a very ancient goddess. Well, you got that right, because apparently she recognized maybe some men like to be doing all that too. Not me particularly, but you know, somebody. So, but who am I to judge? She is a creator of weather and a personification of seasons. I would think she would be. Specifically winter. When she is in her crone stage, she is the mother of creatures and crafts. That's what I'm talking about, girl. She has survived Christianity. You go! Just for that alone, you go, girl. In various roles in North mythology. The bread apples and spindle in the tail of the Brothers Grimm collected show her archetypical nature to women, and through the wild hunt of the unbaptized children and the portal in the well, Frau Hall is associated with taking people to the other world and life, death, and regeneration. This winter season, consider the sacred aspects of your work, your craft. You are a creator. You damn straight. Your ability to create is both a gift and a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And use it intentionally and with your whole heart. Now I love that, y'all. I really do. That that was a beautiful thing. Whew, I don't know how I'm gonna top that with a story, but mm, here we go, y'all. Okay. Now back when I was growing up with mom and daddy, you know, and quite frankly, most of the holidays for us kind of sucks because you know daddy was an abusive pig, and the only good Christmas we actually ever really generally has when he left us that one day that one year and he had pizza of course it came back so that kind of sucked so but other than that was nice mm. although between me and you I don't think mom really ever believed in Christmas I don't really think I did either it was more so I can get gifts but mom always wished me a happy solstice 
or happy first day of winter. And of course, when I started watching Xena, we kind of started saying happy solstice to each other, blah, blah, blah. Not a lot, but it happened. And of course, this is long before my mother's transition, which is such another story that I may have to work into at another point. Maybe for season two or three of this podcast, I don't know. Mm. But, suffice to say, it wasn't like it was ever, we were ever really big Christmas people, unfortunately. Or fortunately. And quite frankly, after my abduction, I just kind of stopped celebrating it completely. I kind of hated it. I still do. But I don't want to take it from anyone else. I just wish people would respect my feelings on it more, and they don't. Anyway. So, I mean, Mom was always more magical than she wanted to lead on, especially with Daddy around. So she'd teach me things indirectly now, looking back. Not a lot, not a ton. But something, when I met Dylon, who later became the first husband, again, that's a whole other story. You know, that's when my mag- I started realizing my magic... And of course, as the years went by, I wandered. I found witchcraft and paganism, and well, the winter solstice made more sense, so it became my favorite holiday. And over the years, Mom, especially after her transition, we all just started celebrating the winter solstice more. And it became something special because there was no previous issues with it, and we have always kind of celebrated the first day of winter unofficially, I might add. Let me be truthful. Unofficially. And from there, now we've been celebrating it all with our growing family, the more magical side of the family, I might add, for the past two decades. It was a slow transition, of course, but a transition. We started celebrating with the gods and all the magical folk that we, you know, who've become our friends and family over the last two decades. So, the winter solstice is special to me because... It just has more magic for me. And it just has more wonderment. And yet, I don't know if I celebrate the same way as most witches or pagans or Wiccans. Not necessarily all the same thing. But, it became special. It's not just because of the gifts, although that does help. It's not just because of the rituals, which is nice. It's, it's because of the gods, but it's because me and Mom found a way to reconnect to each other. With our growing, well, family. In this version. So that's why the winter solstice is more special to me. More and more as I get older. And I love learning about these different things. I really do. Now let me. I, I need to make a disclaimer. Even though I hope I kind of said it. But let me make it clear. I'm not anti-Christmas. I'm not anti I'm not anti-anything. I'm anti the disrespect. Because there's more than one winter holiday. It's not just about the winter solstice or Christmas. People who celebrate Kwanzaa celebrate that. I'll even celebrate more about Fall Hollow actually directly. Etc. Every holiday, or Hanukkah, every winter based holiday should be celebrated and or respected. I may hate Christmas. Me personally. And it's not the holiday itself, it's just what it reminds me of rather is what I really should say. But the winter solstice is a genuine holiday I do celebrate. And that became something to me. It's basically like this. I respect your holiday, respect mine. That's it. But it's become something so special over the years to me. I may not be the type to over the decorate for it, but spending it with with the people I love the most, that's what makes it special. And the rituals after during it and 
everything else in the magic. So it's been a slow progression over the last two decades of coming up with the wrong traditions of celebrating together, coming together at mom's villa with Leather Dragon, and just being together as a family and celebrating with our friends and our acquaintances. And leading ritual. And having fun. So it's not like everybody else's but special to us. At least to me anyway. I think even to her. It helped bring us help bring us back together. Anyway <laughs> I think I talked long enough. I hope everyone has a good holiday season, whatever you celebrate or not celebrate. I hope you have a great day. And I wish everyone a happy, safe New Year as well. Although I probably will do a couple more podcasts in between this, but in case I do, I hope you all have a great New Year as well. Thank you. This is Witch Dragon, signing out. May everyone be blessed. And celebrate. And you don't necessarily need a reason to celebrate. Just celebrate you. And I'm all for that. Take care, everyone.